0: It's Tuesday, April 28th. Episode 24 of the Grounded Sports Wagon Podcast starts now. Good evening, everyone. How is everyone doing with uh, uh, the quarantine and the shelter in place and stay at home orders? Hope you're doing well and you're uh, making most of this time. Um, Well, it's me again. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Uh, Follow me on Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Well, this is amazing. This is the first time I've recorded in as many days since, (laughs) and uh, it feels good to at least try to have an opportunity to come and talk to you about more sports again or sports or some uh, aspect of sports, considering that no one's actively playing games right now. Um, so there's some new things that have happened uh, within the last uh, few hours. Um, for example, uh, James Winston reaches a one-year deal with the Saints. Um, so Taysom, Taysom Hill uh, uh, signed a 21 million dollar contract extension uh, a couple days ago, and he is expected to be the heir apparent to Drew Brees when Drew Brees uh, finally retires from uh, the Saints. Um, this is a, a, a good move for James Winston. I mean, look, we, we talk so much about the fact that he has had the most turnovers by any player in the league in about five years. However, he has uh, about 19,000 plus yards, and that is about the seventh most, if I recall from the from the stats uh, in league history to date. So there's no denial that he can't sling the pill. He can definitely sling the football. But um his decision-making having all these turnovers has probably been the question mark or the sticking point. And many see this as a good move for him because going to new Orleans, he can kind of do, you know, working with uh, their offensive staff that he can do some things like Teddy Bridgewater did Teddy Bridgewater spent uh, the past season in new Orleans. He started for drew Brees when he went out with his thumb injury and that helped him to, and I believe he went five and zero. So that helped him to get the deal that he has with the Carolina Panthers. So again, you know, this is kind of one of those moments where, you know, James Winston is going to a situation that, you know, he's going to share the backup duties with Taysom Hill. So, you know, you've got two experienced backups playing for the saints, you know, they're backing up, you know, a, a future hall of famer because there's no question that Drew Brees will be in the hall of fame, but, um, you know, to, to kind of get some more tutelage to kind of, and of course he had LASIK as well. So, you know, that was kind of the thing that people were, I guess you could say picking on him about that, you know, they said, well, you know, you're throwing the ball to the wrong team, you know, but having the, the LASIK surgery, hopefully, hopefully between that, between getting a fresh start, working with the new office of staff that hopefully that will help him to, uh, improve his game. So again, um, if and when the NFL begins again, we hope that that will uh, come to fruition. So we, we have uh, yet to see uh, if that's going to happen. But again, as I mentioned in, in the last episode, that the NFL currently is uh, looking to start on time. But, you know, there's still a lot of details to be worked out as far as, um, you know, what states will be open to allowing fans, as I mentioned, California, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom has stated that he feels that it will not be prudent for fans to be in the stadium. Um, but again, these are all details that are still being worked out as we are seeing a number of states starting to open up and try to restart um, the, the the working and, and the economy. But you know, from a, you know, kind of to put on my public health hat for a second, you know, I really feel like that's not the best idea. I mean, I understand that the economy is in peril, but we have to think about the fact that, you know, if you don't have workers, you don't have an economy. I mean, I mean, yes, capitalism is something else, Um, you know, that they are thinking about the bottom line, that they are not really giving as much consideration to the worker as they should, but. At the end of the day, if you sicken most of your uh, labor force, then the economy still crumbles. So you're kind of damn if you do, damn if you don't type of situation. But again, like I said, um, unfortunately, we are in a state of time where we are essentially politicizing disease. And it's very disconcerting that, you know, this has turned into a, a you know, dare I say, a civil rights issue, and 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 I say that with air quotes because I find that to be laughable for those who feel like that their rights are being violated because we're trying to keep you and those around you and the general population healthy. We're trying to protect everyone so that um, those who are serving us as healthcare workers they can stay healthy and do their job. But to feel like we're trying to take something away from you, I think is, um, again, I think that's a very laughable point, but again, we, you know, we kind of have to start thinking more globally instead of what's happening at our feet. Um, so the other thing, uh, I read a report by a company called two circles so they are into sports marketing Um, They did some some number crunching and said that um, the the impact of the coronavirus, um, it will really, as we know, it's already had an effect, but the overall effect it will have on sports will be felt, uh, you know, very globally. Um, Their projections say that um, we only had 26,000, a little over 26,000 sporting events uh, will be held uh, by the end of the year. Um, possibly more. So that's about more than half of what we had uh, scheduled. And because of that, they, we're talking about um, roughly about seventy three billion dollars in revenue generated from sports. Now, the projection was probably anywhere from about one hundred and forty billion to be um Generate from sports this year. So again, um, there's going to be a big loss in revenues due to uh, coronavirus, and you know, it kind of again circling back to you know what I was just talking about that you know again, you know, sports is one of those things that it is you know very much uh, intertwined into our society and you know, when you, you know, take that away and, you know, we're, when we're living through this right now, you take that away. You're not only taking away, you know, the way that we are entertained, but you're also taking away livelihoods. And I'm not talking about the athletes. I mean, the athletes are doing well and, and no disrespect to them. They're, 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 they're professionals. You know, we're talking about the professionals here, you know, because, you know, there are you know different economics when we talk about, um, you know, college sports and and that's a whole nother ball of wax because we all know how you know we are trying to level the playing field for these college athletes to you know be compensated for the use of their likeness and I think that is fair but when we're talking about professional sports these athletes are very well compensated but we also have to look at the fact that a lot of people are being put out of business, people who work box offices, people who, um, you know, keep the facilities open, people who take tickets and vendors. So all these people are not getting that income. And, and again, because that is due to the loss of income that we are seeing uh, globally through the effects of this virus. So, I mean, you know, we, we, we really have to. Um, you know, kind of really think deeply about, you know, what's happening in front of us and to be more open minded about how we think about how this virus is impacting us. So in the last show, I talked about Mike Gundy and his response and, you know, talking about, um, you know, he wanted to go back to work May 1st. He was going to. And then, uh, you know, a week later, he apologized for his um, <clears throat> for his comments simply because they were deemed to be short-sighted. And I think that that's the thing that I think is happening with this virus, that it is, hopefully, it is making us take pause to, um, you know, thinking about how this is really impacting our lives. And it is, hopefully, it'll make us smarter about how we approach life because, again, there are bigger things than sports. And right now we are really um, feeling um, the effects of this. Um, so kind of more on this this um, this uh, report from two circles. Um, now, the big thing, one of the other things they talked about in the study was um, going back to having playing games. So NBA, NHL, NFL playing games games in arenas and stadiums that have no, few or no crowds which you know it would seem bizarre to do but if the sports leagues feel from the guidance that they're getting from the NIH so Dr. Anthony Fauci and his uh, his office the CDC if they're feeling good about that guidance then they could probably proceed but proceed with caution um, they would have to play in these arenas with very few crowds. And Dr. Fauci also recommend that players stay in hotels in order to kind of limit their movement back and forth and to kind of you know keep, you know, keep that social distancing, hap- distancing happening uh, and, and the like. So, I mean, you know, there are so many things that we have to consider with this Um Kind of to that point, another uh, piece that has that occurred today, another announcement that came for today that the Coca-Cola 600 um, will go forth as usual. So that's going to happen on Memorial Day weekend in Charlotte. As um, uh, a governor, we Cooper. So the governor of North Carolina um, said um, it will take place, quote, unless health conditions go down. So. Um, and, and and I think for NASCAR fans, that would probably be a welcome um, bit of news. But again, we have to continue to have some caution here because again, May is still one of those points in time where I feel like we're still kind of on the back end of this thing, where you know the curve is flattening, but we kind of have to be very very careful about how much we begin to start to release and have crowds and all this sort of thing, because remember that with this virus, if you are asymptomatic, you still can transmit. So that is a big, big issue. So if you've got people who feel well, they're asymptomatic, if they are in a crowd and, and as if you're familiar with NASCAR, I'm not a NASCAR fan, but I'm familiar with the crowds that NASCAR generates and NASCAR generates huge crowds. And so, you know, that, that, that uh, attack rate, that infection rate, will be exponential if you get a few people who potentially are infected. So, again, these are things that, you know, there has to be some more careful thought about this um, as we're moving forward and trying to hopefully start to jumpstart sports again. But again, you know, right now, for me, it's hard to even consider or think about this prospect uh, with everything going on, because, you know, it's. Um, it, it's scary to kind of have to leave your house to do something simple. If you're going to go to the store, I mean, you don't want you don't want to, but you kind of have to. And I'm thankful that we still can, but you know, you have to be very careful, and you have to do you know so many things in order to you know keep yourself healthy uh, and safe. Um, so, um, didn't have a chance to look at the way too early, uh, top 25 for college basketball. I think I will address that in episode 25. So look at that 25 episodes. Uh, and I'm almost at, you know, I've been at this for about four months, I think. And I have about, uh, almost a, a listenership of, you know, well, anyway, I got a pretty decent listenership, but again, it's growing and, and, and I hope that it continues to grow. Um, and I hope I like, hope you like what I'm, the things I'm talking about, but I did want to kind of go back to something that I talked about in the last show, and I mentioned the retirement of Notre Dame head basketball coach, women's basketball coach, Muffin McGraw. So I said 300, uh, 33 years, over 900 wins, two national championships, and a member of the College Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, so her replacement, a uh, former player, former assistant, Neil Ivey, she is um, uh, taking on the program, and they just got some big news that they... Got, I believe it was the number two recruit in the nation. Will be attending Notre Dame next year. So I mean, what a coup! It's you know, Neil Ivy. I mean, the one thing that we will see is that she. We know that she can recruit it, and it's still working. I mean, think about all the players that came through Notre Dame, and it is still you know she's got the touch. And so I feel that you know within a certain period of time, you know Notre Dame didn't have a good season last year. They were a very young team. But with the experience coming back, with the recruits coming in, you know, you can bet that Notre Dame is going to be a force to reckon with next year and in the in the years moving forward. But the reason I bring I come back to this point is that um, one thing that I wanted to note is that um, the numbers of black female head coaches in women's college basketball. So let's look at the numbers here. Um, So of the 209 head coaches in Division one, only 25 percent are black or women of color. Okay, Now, when you move down to the to the assistant coaching ranks, there are significant higher numbers. So there are a lot of assistant coaches at schools like Texas A&M, Stanford, who are uh, uh, in the pipeline, potentially. For an opportunity to move up to the head coaching position. Um, so, one thing I, as I was thinking about this, um, you know, and looking at, you know, the hiring Neil Ivey, I said, well, let's look at conferences. And one conference stood out to me as having a significant number of Black women as head coaches of their programs. But to go back to Neil Ivy, the ACC, so Notre Dame is a member of the ACC, they are a full member in everything except football. I will have a rant about that another time because I think that is the worst deal ever. Um, So in the ACC, there are only two black head coaches. There's Neil Ivey at Notre Dame and Tina Thompson at Virginia. Um, Now, the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, has 14 member schools. Of those 14 member schools, six of those schools, so almost half of those schools, have black female head coaches. Nikki Fargus at Louisiana State. Terry Williams, Florinor at Auburn, Joni Taylor at Georgia, Dawn Staley at South Carolina. So Dawn Staley is only the second black uh, female head coach to win the national championship. Do you know the first? Huh? 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 Carolyn Peck at Purdue. Um, now, another little interesting wrinkle to this. Your two SEC schools in Mississippi, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, both have black female head coaches. Uh, Yolette McPhee McQuinn at Ole Miss. She's starting her third season. She is in the middle of a massive rebuild. Um, Ole Miss has just not had uh, very good uh, fortune in, in, in a number of years. Uh, so they hired her away from, I believe, from Jacksonville to lead that program. And, and it, you know, they haven't really had good years, but they are turning the corner and they are going to see some success very soon. Um, in her first season, Nikki McRae Pinson. So she left my alma mater, Old University. Shout out to Coach Nikki McRae. Shout out to Coach Nikki. Shout out to Coach Nikki McCray. Um She um, turned this program, turned O.D.U. around in three seasons. They are looking like they are heading back towards, um, you know, Heading back towards um, some level of uh, competition that they're going to be back in the conversation. They look like they were heading back to the NCAA tournament before uh, everything got canceled. Um, So she goes to Mississippi State to replace Vic Schaefer. She played at Tennessee for Pat Summit. So, um, again, um, a a big loss for ODU, but a, a great game for Mississippi State. And, and you know, it's just, uh, you know, I say it and I'm kind of like, oh, you know, we were just we were just getting started, coach. We were just getting started. What, what happened? But I but I understand. I understand. It is your dream to coach in SEC and all the best to you. But to, to kind of bring this back around here, um, you know, there are a lot of coaches. Coach Muffet McGraw was a big advocate, not just for women, but she was a big advocate for pushing more of these Uh, more assistant, more women, more black women in the assistant ranks towards these head coaching jobs. Uh, She's been a big advocate. And we see that happening in the fact that her uh, former assistant is now her successor. And she asked that and she had the conversations with Neil Ivey and and it happened and came to pass. Uh, Tara Vanderveer, the longtime head coach at uh, Stanford. Um, uh, one of her assistant coaches, I know one, at least one of her assistant coaches is a black woman. And she has been very, very, uh, a very big advocate for ensuring that, you know, we're trying to get more black women into head coaching in the, the college ranks. So again, you know, um, uh, it, it's, 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 it's a thing that needs to happen, but again, Why did these things happen? These things happen because it's more so who's doing the hiring. So either you get somebody who is male who hires a male or you get a male who hires a qualified female. But are uh, are these assistants and are these other head coaches getting a good opportunity? It's hard to say, Um, you know, uh, some coaches. Um, want to find the right opportunity. Some coaches want an opportunity. So, I mean, all, everyone's different. Um, but nevertheless, you know, there needs to be more of a push towards putting people in positions to get more black women into head coaching in the women's ranks. So to kind of take it to the next level here, um, you have three hundred and fifty six athletic directors in in Division one. Eleven percent of them are women. Three percent of them are women of color. I can tell you two right now, Vanderbilt and Virginia. They are two that I know of that have black women leading their athletic departments. So, again, if we can push these numbers higher. So, again, then that goes to a higher level. So who's hiring the A.D.? So we're talking about college presidents. Uh, college boards. So folks at a higher level. So again, when you get more people who look more diverse, who are thinking more diverse candidates and trying to spread the net a little bit wider, you get more diversity. You get more diversity at the higher levels. Then you get more diversity at the level where you have the coaching staffs and you get more black women who are coaching at the women's college, at the women's college basketball level. So but again, as I mentioned, only two black women have won national championships. Um, compare that with only four men, black men on the men's side. Uh, Kevin Olley, uh, Kevin Ollie, John Thompson, Nolan Richardson and Tubby Smith. Again, four versus two. So, again, those numbers aren't fantastic. But nevertheless, it the conversation is the same when you get more people who look more like the folks that you want to hire or want to try to hire, then you get more diversity. So the diversity has to improve in order to kind of see these numbers improve, because, you know, I just really feel like that there needs to be more opportunity, more diversity uh, in uh, in this uh, in the sport in general. All right. So that's all I had for today. So, again, you know, wanted to get back. Talk about that. That was on my mind. But again, something to think about that, you know, in the midst of all this, you know, we still have a lot of other issues that when sport is happening, we still have a lot of other issues that need to be addressed. And I don't think my podcast is going to solve these issues, but I really feel like in talking about them, it gets other people talking. And when we all talk about it, then maybe we come up with solutions or we press our respective alma maters repress um other um, other schools or repress different organizations to ensure that we get more diversity at different levels of sport and thus that is reflected outwardly and the type of people uh type of people quality of people who are hired to do this work all right well i thank you for joining me and i uh, hope you enjoyed the episode and uh if you Like the episode, uh, give me a good rating. Follow me. uh, Check out my other episodes. This is number twenty-four, so big twenty-five will be coming up very soon. And uh, still gotta figure out what to talk about, but nevertheless, it's going to be something you know, kind of bringing you more about what's happening as sport is shut down and kind of looking more at these critical issues. So, um, and as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm seeing some things going. Oh, I forgot about this. I forgot about this. So there's a lot of stuff going on. It's just I have to get back in the habit of organizing my thoughts to make sure that you are aware of these things. But nevertheless, let's continue the conversation on Twitter. Uh, hit me up. It's Uncle Dove, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. And I appreciate the time that you gave to this. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon.